Welcome back to The Look and Sound of Leadership, an ongoing series of executive coaching tips designed to help you be perceived in the workplace the way you want to be perceived. I'm Tom Henschel, your executive coach, and today we're talking about the sound of leadership and management. Reiko and I were exploring the differences between leadership and management. During our conversation, she wondered whether the two actually sound different. I said to her, you seem pretty comfortable in both camps, Reiko. Does your version of leadership sound different from your version of management? She gave a sad laugh. <laughs> yeah. When I think about management, I think of barking. Do this, do that, bark, 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 bark. You're serious, I asked. Dead serious. You remember we said management exists to address complexity? Well, all that complexity is hard for me. I get cranky doing that kind of work, so I'm all bark, bark, bark. What would you do differently, I asked. Oh, you're going to put it on me, are you? She gave a sigh and stopped to think. I loved Reiko's willingness to think without knowing where it would take her. She said, so we're trying to manage complexity, right? Here's one. I would run my meetings differently. Differently how, I asked. We get off topic. Oh, it's horrible for managing complexity. You can't get anything done. I asked, when things drift off topic, how soon do you notice? She screwed up her face and shrugged a shoulder. I don't know. I notice when I notice. I ask because, because I have actually been thinking about that very question for years. You have? she asked. Yeah, I have. I have this idea about noticing when topics change. I imagine that every conversation, like yours and mine right now, and everyone else's everywhere, are being transcribed. And that later, when things go off topic, we could order up a copy of the transcript, and we could see the actual instant when someone popped us out of the folder we had all been in together and jumped us somewhere else. And the game I've been playing with myself over the years has been to see if I can spot the jump in real time when it's actually happening. So now, when I'm in a meeting like yours and it goes off topic, a lot of times I can see it as it's happening. I don't get dragged along with it. And what do you do, she asked. Well, if it's mine to facilitate, I usually let it go a little and I calculate, is the road we're on now more valuable than the road we were on? Okay, I'm willing. I'll make the choice to change the topics, and I might even point it out. And what would that sound like, she asked. I modeled, hey, I know we were just talking about that report, and that's important, and we will get back to it. But this feels more important to me right now, so let's really dive into it. She raised her eyebrows. That's a good prompt, and it certainly wouldn't be me barking. <laughs> Boy, I would really have to pay attention to catch those changes in real time. But you know something I have gotten good at noticing? What's that, I asked. Good work. I have learned to put appreciation first. And oh, man, it has taken me so long to learn this, but it's made a huge difference for me. Tell me about it, I said. Well... You asked what my version of leadership sounds like and that for me, leadership is getting people to care about their work, right? Well, I began putting appreciation first. Because you believed it would make people care, I asked. She nodded yes, looking for words. And then breathing out, she said, 
I review work all the time in meetings, at people's desks, at my conference table. I am always reviewing work. And I used to approach reviewing work as if I wasn't doing my job unless I was the super detective finding all the flaws. So that's how I looked at the work. I was finding the flaws. And all this other stuff that's not a flaw, huh? all this good work, why would I talk about that? But I realized that if I wanted people to care about their work, I had better talk about all the things that weren't wrong. And once I started looking... <laughs> It's not like I had to make stuff up. There's plenty of good work. I began talking about those things first, and it's made a big difference. I asked, were you right? Do people care more about their work now that you're putting appreciation first? Maybe, she said. There's something else I know that I do to make them care about their work. What's that, I asked. I'm not sure what to call it. It's like laying out a map for people. She gestured as if smoothing a sheet. And then she said, I remember in one of my early jobs, I was doing okay, or I thought I was. And my boss, who was about my age, but she'd been there way longer, she sat me down one day and she explained our work to me. She explained what the company really did and what the different divisions did and how our work fit into all that. She gave me the whole layout of what was going on around me. And it was like suddenly flying over a forest that I had been stuck in. Everything changed for me after that. I felt like I was smarter. So what does that sound like for you now, I asked. Well, I try and do that for others. I try and lay out the map. So I am very intentional about passing information. My peers know a lot about what goes on over here. And I pass information up to Scott from my team meetings. She was referring to her boss. And I pass information from his meetings down to my folks. Well, people don't always think of passing information laterally, I said admiringly. Well, it's to my benefit if I can lay out a map for my peers too, right? I agreed it was. And then said, that idea of passing information downward to your team, I often use the analogy that the leader is up in the crow's nest of a tall-masted ship. Being way up there, up above the deck, she can see to a much farther horizon than anyone else. So her view is special. And I say, don't assume anyone else can see your horizon. You have to tell them what's out there or they won't know. And they want to know what's out there. They're better when they know what's out there. <laughs> right, said Reiko. I'll go you one better. Oh, good, I said. Telling them about the horizon is important, yes, but that only tells them where they are on the map. You also have to tell them why. If you don't tell them why they are where they are, then the where doesn't become important enough for people to care about. Well said, I said. So, she said, leaning back with a smile, what does your version of leadership sound like? I took a breath, deciding which skill to talk about first. Well, if leadership is about change, which never ends, Reiko threw in, and if it's also about how people feel, here's an idea. This is something I would like to hear from more leaders. Open-ended questions. Really? she asked. Why? Oh, Reiko, I use them a lot. I see 
all the time how a conversation completely changes just by asking an open-ended question. People respond completely differently to them. Sometimes I wonder if it's in our wiring. Can you give me an example, she asked. Oh, sure, easy. So, okay, here we go. Ready? I'm going to ask you two questions, and I don't want you to answer either of them. I just want you to notice where your brain goes when I ask you these questions, okay? Okay, she smiled, liking the game. Here's question one. You have any questions about what we're talking about? Question two. What questions do you have about what we're talking about? (laughs) She said, that second one is completely different. Because why, I asked. Because, because on the second one, I actually considered whether or not I had questions, she said. And the first one I asked, oh, no, I didn't consider for one second whether I had any questions. Clearly, the right answer was, no, I don't have any questions, right? So, oh, my gosh, she said, that's horrible. I laughed, no babies with the bathwater, please. Closed-ended questions are not evil in and of themselves. They have their place. Oh, yeah, of course they do, she said. Do you know when I use them? When I manage. When do I see that, right? A closed-ended question. How many? Yes, no, is it this, is it that? Oh, yeah, I use those questions all the time. What an interesting idea, I said, that closed-ended questions might belong more to management and open-ended questions might belong more to leadership. And then she said, why are open-ended questions so hard? I said, I think there are two reasons. First, I think it's hard to get comfortable framing questions that way. I don't know if it's the English language or our American culture, But putting a question into the construction of an open-ended question is hard work. I know for me, it took a lot of work to get comfortable doing it. She said, you're not saying it's just hard to speak them. You're saying it's hard to think them in the first place. I said, that's actually better than what I said, so I will agree with it. What's the second thing that makes open-ended questions tough, she said. I looked at her without speaking. And then I held the silence. And finally I said, that. Stillness. Comfort in silence. Waiting. Listening. Not talking. Not even in your head. Getting still. All of that is a bitch. She rolled her eyes. I'd have to go on a retreat to do all that. And then more seriously, why is silence part of asking an open-ended question? I said, Open-ended questions can sound like a threat. I mean, suppose I ask you, what got you to that decision? Now, that's a good, legitimate, open-ended question, right? What got you to that decision? She nodded. Sounds good. Would you also agree that possibly that same question could sound like a challenge? What got you to that decision? Oh, yeah, I see, she smiled. Stillness helps take the challenge out of an open-ended question. Not a big dramatic pause, but a comfort, an interest, a willingness to listen. Ask the question and stop talking. If you asked me an open-ended question in that way, I might actually try and answer it. And, she said, you might just care about your work. And then using her fingers to count, she said, okay, listing the sounds of leadership, I said put appreciation first. What else? 
The map, I said. Right, lay out the map. Tell them where they are on the map, then tell them why they're there. What else? Open-ended questions, I said. Right, and she made a note. And on the management side, she said, stop barking. Slow down. What else? I said, stay on topic, or at least notice when the topic changes. Oh, right, she said. Reiko and I agreed that all those behaviors, even the ones under the management banner, ultimately lead to the look and sound of leadership. Right. I wonder what you are thinking of this belief that I am espousing. I really believe that some ways of speaking lend themselves to more effective management and some ways of speaking lend themselves to more effective leadership. I, and that was the premise of the whole episode, right? Are you willing to sign on to this? Now, look, I will concede there is not a sharp line with finite distinctions between the sound of management and the sound of leadership. It's not black and white. There's lots of crossovers, I grant you. But if you accept the premise that I laid out in last month's episode called Leadership Versus Management, that leadership and management exist for different reasons, then it would make sense that they would actually sound different because you're trying to accomplish different things, right? I don't know about you, but this idea that they sound different excites me. It's something active you could pay attention to every day to sharpen your skills. So as a way of making my case about this, I want to drill in just a little deeper on one of the management skills and on one of the leadership skills, okay? So on the management side in this episode, you heard me talk about staying on topic. Okay, if you want to be an effective manager, manage your conversations, facilitate Keep people on topic. Keep yourself on topic. Learn how to do it. I listen to people for a living, and one thing I observe is how hard it is for people to stay on topic or to be able to get back to their original idea after they've gotten off topic. But also what I find is that when I challenge people to be conscious about staying on topic, they can. It's an effort. It's an emerging skill. But they can. If you want to be a better manager, strengthen this muscle. Because, of course, you know, I mean, it's not really a communications muscle, is it? It's a, just a mental muscle. Strengthen your ability to stay on track, and you will strengthen your management skills. And there's a tool. There is a great tool that will help support you staying on track. It is sorting and labeling. If you're new to the podcast, find this episode in the archive. The sorting and labeling skill is essential to the look and sound of leadership. If you're a longtime listener, you know how strongly I feel about sorting and labeling. If you haven't already, by the way, all of you, please reach out to me. I have a sorting and labeling PDF. I'd love to send it to you. If you don't know how to get in touch with me, I'll tell you in a second. Okay, so that's the skill I wanted to drill down on from the management side. Stay on topic. What about the leadership side? I will tell you, but first, I have to send some love to folks who posted reviews in iTunes this month. There were a lot of you from all over the world, from Mexico, FJ Castell, from the UK, Fizzle.gum, from Singapore, Vicky Hogan, from New Zealand, TWFNZ, and from the US, Brisket Boss, Novinskak2626, El Honoré, Mikukin, Juku, thank you all of you, each of you. Look, 
to everyone listening, I love your emails and your expressions of gratitude that you send directly to me. I mean, getting those in my inbox and corresponding with you is wonderful. And I have a special place in my heart for folks who make the extra effort to support the podcast by posting reviews in iTunes. Those reviews really matter. So thank you so much. Okay. So what about the sound of leadership? What one skill do I think would make you better? Inquiry-based leadership. You have never heard those words from me before. Inquiry-based leadership. What am I talking about? I'm saying that I think great leaders ask a lot of questions and not closed-ended questions. I think great managers ask closed-ended questions, but leaders ask open-ended questions, sincere, genuine questions of interest, not questions that are actually opinions. You know what I'm talking about, right? When somebody goes, well, don't you think that we should blah, 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 blah? Like that is not a question. That's an opinion. It's not a question at all. Leaders who use inquiry-based leadership also know how to listen And they don't listen in order to debate. They don't listen to argue. They don't even listen to persuade. They listen to understand. And I will speak for myself. This is not easy. My own journey as a listener has been a long climb up a steep road. And it is not over yet. But oh my, I am in such a different place than when I started. And it has transformed me professionally and personally. If you want to work on something every day to sharpen your leadership blade, well, here are two things. Number one, try to get open-ended questions to come out of your mouth. And number two, try to listen to understand. It will stretch you. If you want support from the podcast to help you build those skills, oh my, there are so many you could listen to. First, in the archive on the Essential Communications website, there's an entire category of executive coaching tips called management skills. And there's another category called leadership. Just use those filters in the archive and then look and see what interests you. The archive, as I said, is on the Essential Communications website, which is essentialcom.com. It's essentialcom with two M's.com. Click the tab marked coaching tips. And if you want the sorting and labeling PDF, just hit the contact button. That sends an email straight to me. Just let me know what you're looking for, and I will get it to you. If you want the HTML version of the tips, you can hit the subscribe button when you're on the website, and you will get the executive coaching tips in your inbox once a month. And by the way, don't forget, you can download any of the tips as a PDF and maybe forward it to someone on your team or maybe your boss. (laughs) What do you think? I don't know. Okay. If you want to build these muscles, what other episodes might you listen to? Here are five. A breakdown of listening. Questions as leadership. Showing teeth. Taming meetings. And the voice of authority. They're all on the Essential Communications website or in iTunes or Stitcher or Overcast or wherever you're getting your podcasts these days. Help yourself. That's it for me. Until next time, I'm Tom Henschel. Thank you so much for listening.